0: Hello everyone, this is Mr., your host, welcoming you to another exciting episode of the Diplomacy and Discourse Podcast. I want to take a moment to express my genuine appreciation for each and every one of you for taking the time to tune in today. Your support means the world to us. As we delve into thought-provoking discussions and explore diverse perspectives, I kindly request you to help us grow by leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform such as Spotify or any other platform that you're enjoying. Your feedback is invaluable and it will assist us in delivering content that resonates with you. For those of you who are listening on YouTube, I would be grateful if you could show your support by liking this video and subscribing to our channel. By doing so, you'll stay up to date with our latest episodes and help us reach a wider audience. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please don't hesitate to reach us out at diplomacyanddiscourse at gmail.com. Your input is essential in shaping the direction of our podcast and improving our listener experience. Lastly, I want to express my gratitude for your continued support. Your enthusiasm for our podcast is what keeps us going. Please help us spread the word by sharing our episodes with your friends, families, and colleagues. Your personal recommendations mean the world to us. Now, let's dive into today's captivating conversation, and thank you once again for being here and enjoy the episode. Power Politics, also known as RealPolitik, is the use of political power to achieve the desired outcome in a given situation. Power Politics involves the use of all available resources, including military force, economic incentives, and diplomatic negotiations to achieve certain goals. It is not to be confused with power sharing, which is a form of democracy that is based on compromise and negotiation. This practice has been employed throughout the history of mankind and continues to be a major factor in international relations. Power politics is often seen as a way to gain control over other countries and spheres of influence. It is often used in international relations to gain the upper hand in a negotiation or to gain an advantage over a rival country. Power politics can also be used to achieve political goals such as regime change or economic dominance. In its most basic form, power politics involves the use of coercive tactics such as threats or the use of force to achieve objectives in this episode we will explore the dynamics of power politics including its history current applications and implications for the future power politics has been practiced since ancient times such as the roman empire's use of military force to expand its empire the Assyrian Empire's use of economic incentives to exert control over neighboring states, and the Persian Empire's use of diplomacy to secure alliances. In the Middle Ages, monarchs utilized power politics to influence their neighbors. During the Middle Ages, monarchs used power politics to expand their empires, create alliances, and gain control over their neighbors. For example, King Henry VIII of England used alliances and military force to expand his kingdom and gain control over Wales and Ireland. King Louis XIV of France used power politics to gain influence in Europe and to expand the French Empire. King Philip II of Spain used diplomatic negotiations and military force to gain control over the Netherlands. While the 20th century, the two world wars were fought in part because of power politics. Power politics was a major factor in the two world wars because they were fought over issues of hegemony, economic resources, and ideological differences. The two world wars were also fought over power politics as countries sought to gain control over their rivals and expand their empires. Additionally, during the Cold War, power politics was used to achieve political, economic, and military objectives, such as the formation of alliances and the establishment of balance of power. During the Cold War, the two superpowers, the United States and the Soviet Union, employed power politics to maintain their respective spheres of influence. This was particularly evident in the Cuban Missile Crisis, when the United States and the Soviet Union were on the brink of nuclear war over their respective spheres of influence in Cuba. The two countries used their power politics to jockey for position and leverage, with each side trying to gain the upper hand. Today, power politics is still prevalent in international relations, with countries relying on economic sanctions, military action, and other forms of pressure to achieve their goals. This type of power politics is often harmful to countries, as it often leads to conflicts and instability in the region. It can also lead to long-term environmental damage, as countries often pursue their own interests at the expense of others. Power politics continues to be used in international relations, particularly in the Middle East and in the relationship between the United States and Russia. Russia and the United States employ power politics, but in different ways. In recent years, Russia has employed more aggressive tactics, such as military action, economic sanctions, and political pressure. Examples of these types of aggressive tactics include its annexation of Crimea in 2014, its military intervention in Syria in 2015, and its involvement in the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Russia has also used economic sanctions against the United States, the European Union, and other countries as well as political pressure to influence the outcomes of elections in countries such as the United States and France. On the other hand, the United States relies on more diplomatic negotiations and economic incentives to reach its goals. In the past, the United States employed aggressive power politics. This is evidenced by the invasion of Iraq in 2003 and its intervention in Latin American countries during the Cold War. The United States also imposed economic sanctions on countries such as Iran, Cuba, and North Korea. However, over the past few years, the United States has relied less on direct intervention and more on diplomatic negotiations and economic incentives to achieve its objectives. This is evidenced by the Obama administration's successful nuclear deal with Iran, its attempts to normalize relations with Cuba, and its efforts to denuclearize North Korea. During his time in office, former President Donald Trump employed a strategy of power politics on the international stage. He has used economic sanctions, military action, and the threats of military action to achieve his goals, including withdrawing from the Iran nuclear deal, imposing tariffs on China, and recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He has also pursued an aggressive approach with North Korea deploying additional troops to South Korea, and engaging in a war of words with the North Korean leader. Additionally, the Trump administration has used economic sanctions to pressure countries such as Russia, Venezuela, and Cuba, and it has sought to restrict immigration from certain countries. Since taking office, President Joe Biden has aimed to reverse many of the policies of the Trump administration. He has sought to re-engage with international partners including Iran, Cuba, and North Korea. He has also attempted to de-escalate tensions with Russia and China and is working to rebuild trust with the European Union. He has lifted some of the sanctions imposed by the Trump administration and is working to restore diplomatic and economic ties with countries such as Iran and Cuba. Additionally. Biden has sought to re-engage with the United Nations and other international organizations, and he has emphasized the importance of diplomacy and economic incentives in achieving the United States' foreign policy goals. This shift in approach shows that the United States is no longer relying on power politics as much as it did in the past, and is instead trying to find more peaceful and diplomatic solutions to international disputes. Additionally, Russia has been more willing to use military force to achieve its objectives, while the United States usually uses diplomatic solutions. In terms of long-term objectives, Russia has aimed to expand its sphere of influence and gain control over its neighbors, while the United States has sought to maintain its influence and promote global stability. Russia has argued that its attempts to expand its spheres of influence are part of its effort to protect itself from perceived external threats, such as NATO's expansion near its borders. Additionally, Russia has pointed to its historical ties to its neighbors as a justification for its actions. Russia views this expansion as a necessary step to maintain its security as it believes its traditional allies can provide it with the necessary support in the event of a military conflict. Russia also believes that its neighbors will help it maintain economic stability in the region, as many of its neighbors rely on Russia for trade and energy resources such as oil, gas, and coal. Russia states that it has a right to protect itself from perceived threats and that its actions are based on legitimate concerns. It cites the fact that many of its neighbors have traditionally had close ties with Russia and that its actions are meant to maintain that relationship. Russia also states that its actions are necessary to ensure its own security. It argues that any action taken against Russia by its neighbors would be met with a swift response. Russia also states that its actions are not intended as aggression, but rather as necessary precaution. The United States has sought to maintain its influence and promote global stability by engaging in diplomatic efforts and using economic and political sanctions to pressure countries to change their policies or behavior. This has been a priority for the U.S. for decades, as it seeks to shape the world order in a way that benefits its interests. Diplomatic efforts have been focused on forming alliances and treaties, while economic sanctions have been used to punish countries for engaging in activities such as human rights violations or aggression. For example, in 2020, The United States imposed sanctions on Belarusian officials for their role in cracking down on protesters and engaging in human rights violations against opposition activists. The sanctions included travel restrictions and asset freezes for the officials involved. This has been seen as ironic by many countries, though particularly those in the Middle East, as the United States has failed to impose any sanctions on Israel despite its human rights violations and demonstrated continued support for the country. This has led to increased tensions between the United States and countries in the region, as many believe the United States is not acting in a consistent manner with regards to punishing human rights violations. Additionally, the United States has used military intervention and foreign aid to bolster regional stability and to counter Russian influence in the region. The United States has worked with allies to impose sanctions on Russia and to provide support to countries in the region affected by Russian aggression. The United States has also sought to maintain its influence by engaging in diplomatic talks with Russia to encourage the resolution of disputes and to promote international cooperation. In the Middle East, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Israel are leveraging their power politics to gain influence in the region, to expand their influence, to gain access to resources, and to establish dominance in the region. Iran seeks to expand its influence in the Middle East through various means, including support for proxy groups like Hezbollah in Lebanon and militias in Iraq and Syria. Iran's involvement in these countries serves to advance its interests and extend its regional influence. Additionally, Iran pursues energy resource access and dominance by leveraging its significant oil and gas reserves. Saudi Arabia employs diplomatic and military strategies to influence the region. It seeks to counterbalance Iran's influence by forming alliances with countries like the United Arab Emirates and by leading a coalition in Yemen against Houthi rebels, perceived as an Iranian proxy. Saudi Arabia also utilizes its vast oil reserves to maintain its economic influence. Israel employs a mix of military and intelligence capabilities to establish regional dominance. It focuses on maintaining military superiority and conducts covert operations to counter perceived threats, particularly from Iran. Israel's technological advancements and strategic partnerships with countries like the United States enhance its regional influence. These countries engage in complex geopolitical maneuvers, often involving alliances and proxy conflicts to expand their regional power and access vital resources. The dynamics in the Middle East continue to evolve, influenced by these power politics. For more detailed insights, refer to the House of Commons Library report on Iran's influence in the Middle East and foreign affairs articles on the multi-aligned Middle East. The United States and Russia are using power politics to maintain their influence in the region. This is done by forming alliances and treaties, providing foreign aid, and engaging in diplomatic talks. Additionally, both countries have employed military interventions, economic sanctions, and other forms of coercion to pressure countries to change their policies or behavior. Both of the United States and Russia utilize various power politics strategies to maintain influence in the Middle East. The U.S. has formed alliances with countries like Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, enhancing its regional presence. Russia maintains relations with Syria and Iran, bolstering its influence. Both nations engage in diplomatic discussions to mediate conflicts and secure their interests. The U.S. has been involved in Middle East peace negotiations, while Russia hosts talks on Syria. The U.S. has conducted military interventions in Iraq and Afghanistan, shaping regional dynamics. Russia's intervention in Syria supports its strategic objectives. The United States employs economic sanctions as a coercive tool targeting countries like Iran and influencing their behavior. Russia also uses economic leverage in the region. In the South China Sea, the United States employs power politics to limit China's influence. The U.S. conducts Freedom of Navigation Operations F-O-N-O-P's, challenging China's territorial claims and asserting its commitment to international maritime law. The U.S. strengthened regional alliances with countries like Japan, the Philippines, and Vietnam, collectively opposing China's expansionist actions. Diplomatic negotiations were used to address territorial disputes and advocate for rule-based orders. The United States also deployed naval assets to ensure a visible presence discouraging Chinese assertiveness. These actions in the Middle East and South China Sea reflect the complex power politics strategies employed by the United States and Russia. These strategies are employed to safeguard their interests and influence in these crucial regions. For more details, refer to the provided source, particularly Secretary Anthony J. Blinken's remarks on American diplomacy and the national security strategy of the United States. Donald Trump's diplomatic efforts, while often criticized, focused on global stability while simultaneously establishing close relationships with allies such as Vladimir Putin. Trump's relationships with Putin was controversial due to allegations that Putin interfered in the 2016 election. But the two leaders were able to work together on issues such as the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Trump's diplomatic efforts also resulted in closer ties with countries such as China and Saudi Arabia, helping to maintain global stability. He was also a staunch opponent of the war in Ukraine and had expressed frustration with the European Union for not doing more to end the conflict. Trump's more conciliatory approach to global affairs was welcomed by many countries, as his administration was able to broker deals and agreements that avoided further escalation of tensions. His criticism of the EU's lack of involvement in the Ukraine conflict was indicative of his desire for a more peaceful resolution to the conflict. It is likely that if Trump had been in office, the war in Ukraine would have been avoided or at least contained. Trump's willingness to negotiate and compromise as well as his willingness to criticize the EU's lack of involvement in the conflict could be seen as a sign of strength and willingness to seek a peaceful solution. His diplomatic approach may have given the EU enough incentive to come to an agreement with Russia, which could have prevented the war. Before Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022, Annalena Baerbock, the recently appointed German foreign minister, faced a difficult situation in Europe. Baerbock was known for her assertive and principled approach to international diplomacy, particularly in dealing with major global players such as Russia and China. She was regarded as taking a firm stance, especially against Russia and China. Baerbock actively shaped Germany's foreign policy initiatives. Her tenure saw her engage in discussions and decisions related to Germany's role in global affairs, including addressing pressing foreign policy issues. She represented Germany in various international forums, engaged in diplomatic negotiations, and worked on strengthening Germany's relationships with other countries and organizations. Baierbach delivered significant speeches outlining Germany's foreign policy priorities and commitments, such as her speech at the German Federal Foreign Office. These speeches provided insights into her approach and foreign policy objectives. With tensions rising in the region, Baerbock had to navigate a highly complex political landscape and find a way to maintain German neutrality while also expressing sympathy for the Ukrainian people. She chose to focus on two historical events that affected Europe. One of these was a 1975 Helsinki conference held in Finland. It was aimed at establishing a comprehensive international framework for cooperation after World War II. The other is the 1945 summit in Crimea, which allowed the unchecked power of Stalin to flourish in Eastern Europe. This summit saw the leaders of the Soviet Union and the Western Allies agree to the division of Eastern Europe into spheres of influence. It also saw the establishment of oppressive communist regimes in the region. According to Baerbach, the choice was between a system that promoted peace and security and one that was marked by internal repression and power rivalry. In March, the president of Germany's European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, stated that the West should refrain from discussing the possibility of Ukraine's participation in NATO. She argued that NATO should remain a strictly defensive organization and not get involved in any political disagreements. She also said that the West should instead focus on helping Ukraine to develop its economy and strengthen its democratic institutions. She argued that this would be a provocation for Russia and could lead to an escalation of tensions in the region. She further stated that it should be discussed between Ukraine and Russia and not between the United States and Europe. She also claimed that Putin's behavior was an attempt to reverse the course of history and establish a new type of dictatorship. Following the one-year conflict, the prevailing theory about the nature of spheres of influence is gaining more acceptance. This theory suggests that countries have the right to control their own territory and the behavior of their neighboring countries. However, they do not infringe on the sovereignty of others. This theory has been criticized by the international community, though, who argue that the spheres of influence are outdated and can lead to increased conflict. This is the first major European war since World War II, and has been seen by many foreign policy experts from both US and Europe. This is proof that the Western alliance can prevent the resurgence of power politics and rivalry. Many commentators in the U.S. praised Joe Biden's handling of the situation. They stated that his response was a significant achievement in the country's foreign policy. They highlighted Biden's emphasis on diplomacy and internal cooperation, which they said was an effective approach to resolving the conflict. Biden's response was also seen as having the potential to diffuse tensions between Russia and Ukraine and prevent an escalation of the conflict. Under the former president, Donald Trump, however, Foreign policy focused mainly on unilateral action and a strict America first approach. Trump was strongly opposed to international cooperation, instead relying on hardline tactics and sanctions to address conflicts abroad. Additionally, Trump favored a more aggressive stance towards Russia, at times threatening military action in response to Russian aggression. Had Trump's foreign policy been in place during the one-year conflict, it is likely that the war would have officially ended with an escalation of tensions between the two countries. In October 2022, the White House released a national security strategy, which stated that the U.S. was at the forefront of the international community's condemnation of Russia's invasion. The situation seems less straightforward as one veers away from overly optimistic conclusions. While it is true that the U.S. has come out strongly against Russia's invasion, It has also been clear that the U.S. is not inclined to commit its full military resources to the Ukraine conflict. Additionally, the U.S. has also made it clear that it is willing to negotiate a ceasefire with Russia, which could be seen as a sign of weakness. It could be seen as a sign of weakness because it suggests the U.S. is not willing to commit to a full-scale military intervention to protect Ukraine, and is instead opting for negotiation and diplomacy in order to reach a peaceful resolution. The conflict in Ukraine has dealt a significant setback to the U.S.'s effort to maintain peace in Europe. This could result in an emboldened Russia and a more powerful Syria, which could have serious consequences for U.S. interests in the region. This is because it could allow Russia to gain more influence in the region as well as a stronger hold on Syria. This could make it harder for the U.S. to protect its interests in the region. Additionally, a more powerful Syria could potentially give Russia access to more strategic resources, such as oil and gas, which could further strengthen its position in the region. Additionally, the conflict in Ukraine could further strain relations between the US and its European allies. The conflict serves as a valuable lesson about the limitations of the West's approach to dealing with the resurgence of great power competition and power politics. This conflict highlighted the need for more effective measures to manage conflicts, such as negotiations and diplomacy. It has also highlighted the need to consider the implications of military interventions and the potential consequences of a lack of communication between countries. It has also demonstrated the need for increased internal coordination in managing conflicts. Rather than rejecting the concept of great power competition and the extension of spheres of influence, the conflict demonstrates what these concepts truly entail. The conflict also highlighted the risks and costs the U.S. can face when deterring a revisionist state. The conflict showed that great power competition, although necessary, can also have serious consequences. It also revealed that while the U.S. may be able to deter a revisionist state in the short term, It may not be able to win the conflict in the long term. As such, it is important for the US and its allies to work together to coordinate their responses and ensure that the conflict is managed in a way that is beneficial to all parties. The way policymakers interpret the events in Ukraine can have significant consequences. By working together, countries can provide a unified response to the situation, which can reduce the risk of escalation and provide more opportunities for a peaceful resolution to the conflict. Additionally, a unified response can help to ensure that all parties have their interests taken into account and that the conflict is managed in a way that is beneficial to everyone. If they believe that the conflict was a vindication of the policies of the U.S., they may adopt similar strategies in other areas. A unified response can also help to reduce the potential for escalation and, if necessary, can provide a common ground for negotiation. Additionally, it can help to ensure that the U.S. is seen as a reliable partner, which can help to build trust between the countries involved and reduce the risk of future conflicts. As the country begins to confront the increasing challenge of China and Russia, it is critical that the lessons learned from this conflict are analyzed properly. Throughout his term, some scholars have commended Biden for his handling of the Ukraine crisis. He has consistently supported Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, and he has pushed for increased sanctions against Russia. He has also supported an increase in military aid to Ukraine and has used diplomacy to de-escalate tensions between the two countries. However, his administration did not prepare adequately for 2021, much less for 2022. The Biden administration was slow to recognize the severity of the crisis and did not respond with the level of urgency needed. As a result, they were not properly prepared when the crisis escalated and were forced to act quickly. Despite the criticisms that they have made about the US's foreign policy, some critics still praised Biden for his handling of the situation. They noted that he was able to effectively deal with the situation because of his skills in dealing with Russia. They warned about the conflict and provided assistance to Ukraine while also considering the possible consequences of an escalation. They argued that Biden successfully navigated the complex situation and avoided a more dangerous outcome due to his diplomatic skills and willingness to listen to advisors. Biden engaged in diplomatic efforts to de-escalate tensions between the United States and Russia. This involved maintaining open lines of communication with the Russian leadership to prevent misunderstandings that could lead to a more dangerous military conflict. The Biden administration consistently supported Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. To pressure Russia, they advocated increased sanctions against Russia, signaling a firm stance against Russian aggression. Additionally, the administration provided increased military aid to Ukraine, enhancing its ability to defend itself. While critics complained about the administration's slow recognition to the crisis severity in 2021, they ultimately warned about the impending conflict. This advanced warning allowed them to mobilize resources and support for Ukraine's swiftly when the situation escalated in 2022. The more dangerous outcome that Biden's approach aimed to avoid likely referred to a full-scale armed conflict between Russia and Ukraine. A direct military engagement between these two countries, both possessing significant military capabilities, could have resulted in a protracted and devastating war, potentially leading to a broader regional or even global conflict. Despite minimal developments during the first year of the administration, there was a lack of commentary about the details of the US's response to Ukraine's invasion. For instance, even though it stated that it was committed to Ukraine's sovereignty, it did not provide a clear statement about its response. This lack of commentary on the specifics of the response was seen as a weak signal to the Ukrainians and the international community. As a result, the U.S.'s commitment to Ukraine's sovereignty was doubted and the credibility of its commitment was called into question. In February 2022, the U.S. shifted its stance. It stated that it would not directly engage in the conflict in Ukraine. Instead, it would provide aid, sanctions, and intelligence support. Although this was the right approach, it revealed a lack of detail about the administration's previous strategy for containing the situation. This lack of detail made it difficult to gauge how the US intended to support Ukraine, what its goals would be, and how it intended to achieve them. This ambiguity left open the possibility of further escalation of the conflict as well as the potential for the US to become more deeply involved. It has been revealed that several weeks before the invasion, Biden had already concluded that direct engagement with Russia would not be effective. He also noted that it would be very costly. Despite this, the administration still considered arming Ukrainian forces because it believed Russia would win. This suggests that policymakers did not consider other options, such as a moratorium on Ukraine's admission to NATO. This lack of strategic thinking and a lack of willingness to consider other options cost the U.S. dearly. The failure to take a more comprehensive approach to the conflict has resulted in a difficult situation for the United States. As a result, the U.S. has been forced to rush to provide aid to Ukraine and support the country in its time of need. The lack of a comprehensive strategy and the persistent failure to deter Russia raise questions about the U.S.'s commitment to international security. The situation in Ukraine has also caused significant political tensions, not only between the U.S. and Russia, but also between the U.S. and its European allies. This has been further exacerbated by the U.S.'s failure to provide a unified response to the situation. With some European countries taking a more hardline stance towards Russia than others. This lack of a unified response to the situation has further weakened the US's internal credibility and its ability to effectively intervene in conflicts. Despite the various factors that have contributed to the situation in Ukraine, the main reason why policymakers in the U.S. have not admitted that they would not defend it is their unwillingness to acknowledge the broader implications of their actions. The U.S. government does not want to admit that its decision not to support Ukraine is part of a larger strategy to weaken Russia and influence regional politics. They are interested in trying to downplay the implications of their actions claiming that they are focused on helping Ukraine achieve peace and resolve the conflict. This is not the fault of the Biden administration. The U.S. government has been using this method of obscuring its true intentions for a long time. This has been done by the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and now the Biden administration. As a result, the current U.S. government will face similar criticisms in the future. To evaluate the accuracy of what's just been said, It's essential to consider that foreign policy decisions are often complex and influenced by various factors, including national security, international relations, and geopolitical considerations. While there may be elements of truth in what's just been asserted, attributing the entire situation in Ukraine solely to a deliberate strategy to weaken Russia oversimplifies the situation. The U.S. government's stance on Ukraine is shaped by a combination of factors, and it may not be accurate to solely blame the Biden administration for the current situation. Decisions related to international conflicts are typically the result of extensive diplomatic considerations and are influenced by long-standing policies and alliances. For a long time, the U.S. has maintained a policy of assuring that Georgia And Ukraine would inevitably become members of NATO. Georgia and Ukraine's eventual membership in NATO is a result of US policy to prevent a resurgence of Russian expansionism. This policy was further reinforced by Russia's 2008 invasion of Georgia, which they used as a pretext to annex part of the country. The US and other NATO countries saw this as a direct challenge to their security and thus increased their commitment to the eventual membership of Georgia and Ukraine in NATO. This assumption was supported by the belief that any alternative would restrict US power. Despite the opposition of other members of the alliance, this notion persisted. The belief was that the enlargement of NATO would strengthen the US's position in the region. In addition, it would provide security and stability for Georgia and Ukraine. Russia's actions were seen as a direct attack on the West, and the U.S. was determined to retaliate by increasing its commitment to Georgia and Ukraine's membership in NATO. This was viewed as a way to protect U.S. power and interests in the region. And despite the fact that other members of the alliance were not in favor of the move, the US was determined to press ahead. After Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2014, many foreign policy experts in the US admitted that Ukraine and Georgia could not join NATO. During Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2014, which led to the annexation of Crimea, this invasion was seen by the US and other NATO countries as a direct challenge to their security. This led to an increase in their commitment to the eventual membership of Georgia and Ukraine. However, after this invasion, many foreign policy experts in the U.S. admitted that Ukraine and Georgia could not join NATO due to the fact that it would restrict U.S. power and interest in the region and that it could potentially lead to an escalation of tensions with Russia. As the situation in Ukraine became worse... U.S. policymakers refused to acknowledge this reality and did not discuss the alliance's policy towards Russia. It is unclear whether offering concessions to Ukraine in its bid to become a NATO member could have prevented the conflict. If Russia had insisted on maintaining its non aligned status, Ukraine's ties with the EU would have been limited. Russia was concerned that Ukraine's ascension into NATO would lead to a stronger military alliance in the region. It was also concerned that, eventually, other countries in the region would join NATO. This could lead to a stronger military presence in the region, which Russia did not want. Some believe that the conflict was initiated by Vladimir Putin's desire to establish a Russian province. Non-aligned status refers to a country's foreign policy stance of not aligning itself with any major military alliance or bloc, particularly during the Cold War. In the context of Ukraine, it means that Ukraine would maintain a neutral position in military alliances and not seek membership in organizations like NATO. Had Ukraine maintained a non-aligned status, it would have chosen not to pursue membership in NATO. This would have meant avoiding former military alliances and potentially not seeking security guarantees from NATO membership states. As a result, Ukraine's ties with the European Union might have been less constrained as NATO membership is often seen as a potential trigger for conflicts with Russia. Russia in particular was concerned about Ukraine's NATO aspirations. Moscow feared that Ukraine's accession into NATO would lead to a stronger military alliance with Eastern Europe. Such a development could potentially entice other neighboring countries to seek NATO membership, leading to a more substantial NATO military presence in the region. This outcome was undesirable for Russia as it would have perceived it as a security threat. It is also imperative to note that U.S.'s policies in Eastern Europe have contributed to the region's tensions and disputes. The U.S. policies in Eastern Europe included an increased military presence in the region, as well as support for right-wing governments in Ukraine. This has further inflamed tensions between Russia and Ukraine and between the U.S. and Russia. Although the conflict ended in 2014, its occurrence shows that the U.S.'s policies have not addressed the region's needs. When the Trump administration released its national security strategy in 2017, it sparked a debate in Washington about the concept of great power competition. It argued that the United States must be prepared to take on countries such as China and Russia in a global competition for the control of key regions, resources, and technologies. This sparked a debate about whether or not the U.S. should focus its resources on competing with these countries or on maintaining global stability. Most countries did not expect that the conflict in Ukraine would lead to a return to open confrontation on the European periphery. The cost of maintaining a disorderly great power system must still be considered by U.S. policymakers. The conflict in Ukraine has highlighted the increasing competition for global political influence. Russia's annexation of Crimea and support for separatists in eastern Ukraine has highlighted the lack of respect for international norms and agreements. It has also demonstrated Moscow's willingness to use military force to achieve its goals. This has caused other countries to take notice and have increased their assertiveness and willingness to challenge the status quo. At its core, a great power can exert significant influence over economic and political outcomes, even if it does not have direct territorial control. This is because a great power's willingness to use force can scare other countries into compliance, or it can create an atmosphere of uncertainty that can lead to diplomatic negotiations or proxy wars. In addition, a great power's willingness to use force can shape the international diplomatic landscape, as other countries are more likely to take a more assertive stance if they feel threatened. Unfortunately, the term great power has negative connotations due to past examples of imperial exploitation. These include Neville Chamberlain's appeasement of Hitler in 1938 and the Yalta Conference following the Second World War. These examples demonstrate the power of empires to use their influence to manipulate other countries for their own benefit, often at the expense of other countries. This can be seen as an abuse of power and has led to a distrust of great powers. This concept misunderstands the overall concept of great power dominance. A great power does not need to extend its influence to smaller nations at the expense of other countries. This occurs due to the dynamics of power and geography. For instance, one powerful nation can easily assert its dominance due to perceived high costs, while another may not challenge it. In 1907, Russia did not seek to challenge British influence in Afghanistan. Instead, it established its sphere of influence through the Anglo-Russian Entente. Russia likely perceived that challenging British influence in Afghanistan would come with significant costs, both in terms of potential conflict and resources. The British Empire was a formidable power at the time, and engaging in direct confrontation might have been too costly for Russia. The Anglo-Russian Entente allowed Russia to secure its strategic interests in other regions such as Central Asia and Persia, without directly clashing with British interests. This pragmatic approach allowed both powers to avoid unnecessary conflicts. The geopolitical realities of the time often shaped the actions of great powers. Afghanistan was situated in a complex region, and maintaining a stable balance of power while avoiding direct confrontation was a strategic choice. Some believe that great power arrangements are outdated and colonialist. However, it is essential to consider the historical context. During the unipolar era, when the U.S. maintained its global dominance due to the collapse of the Soviet Union, policymakers in the U.S. did not confront the concept of spheres of power. The concept of spheres of influence was less relevant because the U.S. held unrivaled power. However, in a multipolar world, great power dynamics and spheres of influence continue to influence geopolitics, albeit in different ways. The decision by great powers regarding their spheres of influence are influenced by a complex interplay of factors, including perceived costs, strategic interests, and geopolitical realities. These factors shape the relationships and arrangements among powerful nations to the global stage. The U.S. opposes the concept of spheres of influence for several reasons. 1. Global Dominance Historically, the United States has positioned itself as a global superpower with interests and responsibilities spanning the globe. Its opposition to spheres of influence is partly driven by a desire to maintain its position at the forefront of international affairs. It perceives such spheres as restricting its own influence and interests. Two, Sovereignty and International Law. The U.S. emphasizes the importance of sovereignty and international law because it believes that when one nation imposes its fears of influence on another, it undermines that nation's sovereignty and violates established international norms. The U.S. aims to uphold these principles to maintain a global order where nations have the right to pursue their interests without undue interference. So regarding the perceived irony or hypocrisy in this stance, While the US has, at times, intervened in other countries' affairs to advance its interests and ideologies, it often justifies these actions based on principles like democracy, human rights, and international stability. Critics argue, however, that these interventions could indeed expand its spheres of influence. The US invasion of Iraq in 2003 is often criticized for its perceived hypocrisy and long term consequences. Here's a breakdown of these aspects. The US justified the invasion by believing Iraq possessed weapons of mass destruction, WMDs, which posed an imminent threat. However, after the invasion, no such WMDs were found, leading to accusations that the US used false pretenses for the war. The US argued that the invasion was to promote democracy and eliminate a brutal dictator, Critics argue that the U.S. has supported authoritarian regimes in other regions when it suits its interests, which contradicts its stance on promoting democracy. So the consequences led to the overthrow of Saddam Hussein's regime. However, it also resulted in a power vacuum and sectarian tensions, contributing to years of instability and violence in Iraq. The country faced challenges in establishing a stable government, leading to ongoing political and sectarian strife. The rise of extremist groups like ISIS was partly a consequence of the destabilization caused by the invasion, and Iraq became a focal point for global terrorism. The U.S. withdrawal in 2011 left Iraq potentially fragile and vulnerable to external influence, particularly from Iran. Iraq continues to grapple with issues such as corruption, economic difficulties, and a lack of basic services, which have contributed to public discontent. As the world's landscape shifts towards heightened challenges to the U.S.'s power, China and Russia are now showing their ability to expand their territories proximate to their borders. To counter this, the U.S. has implemented a strategy of containment, which is designed to prevent them from expanding their influence. Containment is a strategy employed by the US to prevent the expansion of the influence of rival powers, such as China and Russia. This involves various measures including diplomatic pressure, economic sanctions, and military deployments and deterrence. China and Russia's actions such as territorial expansion, assertive foreign policies, and challenging international norms have raised concerns in the US, leading to the adoption of containment strategies. The U.S. perceives these actions as threats to its own influence and the stability of the global order. However, in the Eastern European section, the U.S. did not engage in open-door discussions about NATO's policy towards Eastern Europe before the invasion of Ukraine. This was because it was concerned that discussions could undermine the region's autonomy. This is because it might suggest that decisions about the security and alliance of these countries were being made without their direct involvement it could give the impression that external powers, including the United States, were imposing their will on these Eastern European nations, limiting their ability to make independent foreign policy choices. In the weeks before the conflict occurred, Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State from January 2021 to September 2023, reaffirmed the country's commitment to maintaining core principles regarding the alliance and security arrangements meaning that the US was dedicated to upholding its support for NATO allies in Eastern Europe and preserving the security arrangements that exist within the alliance. This reaffirmation of commitment was intended to assure Eastern European nations of US support in the face of geopolitical challenges in the region. The failure of the US to properly address the concerns of Russia has revealed the inadequacy of its approach, which revealed a deficiency in its diplomatic approach and thereby contributing to the escalating tensions between the two nations. President Vladimir Putin decided to launch a military intervention in Ukraine due to the country's potential to veer away from its traditional spheres of influence. Russia has historically considered Ukraine as part of its sphere of influence, primarily due to cultural, historical, and geopolitical factors. When Ukraine moved closer to Western institutions, like the European Union and NATO, Russia perceived this as a threat to its interests and influence in the region. Putin's decision to intervene militarily in Ukraine can be seen as an attempt to prevent Ukraine from aligning itself with Western powers. This alignment could have led to Ukraine joining Western security alliances, further reducing Russia's influence in its neighboring country. Thus. Putin's rationale for military intervention was rooted in the desire to maintain Russian dominance and control over Ukraine, which he viewed as within Russia's traditional sphere of influence. Putin has displayed a propensity for going beyond the norms in times of crisis. He has a history of military intervention, including in the South Ossetia conflict in 2008 and the annexation of Crimea in 2014. He has also used military force against his own citizens, such as the crackdown on protests in 2012. He has utilized various drastic measures to seize control over Ukraine, such as the mobilization of troops and the bombardment of civilian areas. In all of these instances, Putin has acted quickly and decisively without considering the potential consequences or the long-term implications of his actions. This suggests that he is willing to do whatever it takes to achieve his goals regardless of whether or not it is legal or moral. The invasion has severely damaged Russia. It has failed to achieve its initial goals but also lost many soldiers. This lack of planning or consideration is indicative of Putin's autocratic leadership style, in which he is willing to make decisions unilaterally and without consulting others. This leadership style has proven to be incredibly costly for Russia and its citizens and is likely to result in further losses in the years to come. The invasion has caused significant costs to Ukraine and it poses a threat to both the US and Europe. This autocratic leadership style has also created instability in the region and has caused tensions to rise between Russia and its neighbors. In addition, It has created an environment of uncertainty and fear which is likely to lead to further economic instability in Russia and the rest of Europe. This instability could lead to a slowdown in the global economy and could have a negative impact on world trade. It could also lead to a further decline in European security with an increased risk of conflict in the region. If the situation in Ukraine were to be regarded as a success story under the Biden administration, then it would come at a high price. The instability in Ukraine could lead to a decrease in foreign investment in the region, which could lead to a decrease in economic growth. This could also lead to an increase in unemployment and a decrease in consumer spending. Additionally, the instability could lead to an increase in global oil prices, which could have a negative effect on the global economy. In 2008, Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State from 2005 to 2009, stated that a great power would not be determined by the dominance of certain spheres of influence or the strong hand that great nations have over others. However, these exact dynamics have since returned with a vengeance. The conflict in Ukraine has highlighted the dangers of great powers diverging from one another and competing for dominance. The conflict has highlighted the limitations of the US's power to deter major actors in areas close to it through non-military means. It would be very costly and risky for the American people to commit to the US to engaging in such areas. In response to the invasion, Biden stated that the US would not be involved in a third world war. Biden's statement can be seen as a warning to other nations that the U.S. will not become involved in a conflict that it cannot win. It also signals that the U.S. is willing to take diplomatic steps to deter aggression instead of using military force. Despite the importance of maintaining a balanced approach to great power conflicts, many experts in Washington still do not believe that the U.S. should adopt a more comprehensive approach to avoiding these types of conflicts. For instance... The public opposes direct confrontation between China and Taiwan. This is likely because the U.S. does not have the resources or the political capital to invest in a comprehensive approach to managing its great power conflicts. Furthermore, the public may be reluctant to invest in such a plan as it could be seen as an admission that the U.S. is no longer able to maintain its dominance in the region. As the political situation in Taiwan continues to deteriorate, US policymakers are considering changing their approach to the country. In this case, the tactic support for Taiwan has been transformed into an explicit endorsement of Taiwan's armed forces. This is because of the increasing Chinese aggression in the region, which has forced the US to take a more proactive approach. Additionally, the U.S. wants to ensure that Taiwan is able to protect itself from China's growing military capabilities. This move could lead to a similar miscalculation to one that caused the Ukraine invasion. By openly endorsing Taiwan's armed forces, the U.S. could be seen as escalating tensions in the region, which could lead to a miscalculation by China. Additionally, the US could be seen as encouraging other countries in the region to take sides in the conflict, which could lead to a more widespread conflict. Some critics believe that acknowledging the growing influence of certain countries in their immediate regions has the potential to lead to the expansion of the reach of larger powers. But in reality, this doesn't happen. In the past year, the US has not abandoned Ukraine. Even though direct intervention would be very costly, the country maintained its independence. Because the U.S. did not abandon Ukraine, it continued to provide the country with financial and military aid to maintain its independence and avoid a wider conflict. While it is outside the sphere of influence of the U.S., the U.S. is still helping Ukraine prevent Russia from annexing it. These strategies can also be applied to other countries. Small nations can improve their military capabilities and get support from other nations to become less attractive targets for larger powers. In response to the growing political situation in Taiwan, policymakers should instead support the country's efforts to develop a more diversified defense strategy. This strategy would allow the island to avoid conflict. Lessons learned from the Ukraine crisis can be used to implement these strategies. For instance, policymakers should refrain from prematurely declaring victory, acknowledging the limitations of American power, delegate responsibility for defense to the nations directly affected, and become more comfortable navigating through areas where influence overlaps. This would involve recognizing that the most effective ways of resolving conflicts are not through unilateral action, but rather through collective efforts. Additionally, it is important to recognize the importance of diplomacy and negotiation in resolving conflicts, rather than relying solely on military solutions. Finally, it is important to recognize the potential consequences of military intervention, such as unintended consequences and increased stability. Governments should also work to foster understanding between conflicting parties, rather than exacerbating tensions through hostile rhetoric. They should also ensure that any military intervention is a last resort and that diplomatic efforts are given every opportunity to succeed. Thank you for watching this episode of the Diplomacy and Discourse Podcast. If you found this discussion valuable and thought-provoking, I kindly ask you to show your support by liking this video, subscribing to our channel, and leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback and engagement helps us grow and reach new audiences. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please don't hesitate to reach us out at diplomacyanddiscourse at gmail.com. We value your input and strive to create content that resonates with you. Once again, thank you for being part of our community. Your support means the world to us. Stay tuned for more captivating conversations and thought-provoking episodes. Until next time, take care and keep exploring the world of diplomacy and discourse.